بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ سنائٹ از دا ففٹینتھ آف مارچ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ The majesty of our exalted and unparalleled Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. So part of the greatness of our exalted Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we are incapable of thanking him for his blessings. So this is something to reflect. We aren't capable, no matter how long we live, no matter how pious a life we live, of thanking him for his blessings. Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi, he mentions in his Ihya, in the chapter on thankfulness, and also recorded in Abu Nu'aym al-Hiriya, when the reality of the sacred words, and it's the verse which is repeated twice, in Surah 14 verse 34, and Surah 16 verse 18, Audhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا If you reckon the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will never be able to count them. When the reality of these words were revealed to Musa, والسلام, he said, My God subhanahu wa ta'ala, how can I then thank you when even in every hair of my body you have granted two blessings? Namely, making its origin supple and covering up its root. I saw it grows with ease, whilst at the same time does not allow filth to enter, thus becoming septic. <laughs> so here, this is actually a verse of the Quran, but it must have been revealed in the previous scriptures. And it mentions, if you reckon the blessing of Allah, you will not be able to enumerate it. So when Musa reflected upon this revelation, he could have mentioned anything. He only mentioned his hair. He goes, how can I thank you when even in every hair, so imagine how many hairs you have on your, on your body. Every hair you've granted two blessings, making its origin supple, aye, so it grows easily. When your hair grows, do you feel pain? No. Why? Because it's, it's supple. And you've covered up the root. Meaning, even though it's soft, you'd expect now that something would enter the root. But at the same time, he said, you covered up the root. And that's for each hair. So how can I thank you enough? <laughs> Imam Ghazali then went on to say, in his Ihya, in the chapter on thankfulness, The greatest blessing is in the interlocking of the eyelashes. For dust in the wind can prevent one from opening the eyes. And when the eyelids are closed, you obviously cannot see. However, it is possible to bring the eyelids together until the eyelashes interlock. And then look from behind the screen of the lashes. This screen of lashes blocks the dirt from entering and does not prevent sight from within. 
as the fly has no eyelid for its pupil, he subhanahu wa ta'ala created it with two hands. So you see it using them continuously to rub its two eyes, brushing away the dust. So Imam Ghazali, he narrated the report and then he went on to say that even the humble eyelashes you have are a priceless blessing. And it's true, you know, when there's a storm, especially in the hotter parts of the world, you've got to close your eyes. But you close it, but you're not blind. Why? Because you actually use your eyelashes. So you can peer through it. Without your eyelashes, you wouldn't be able to do that. And then he mentioned the fly. If you look at the fly constantly, it's cleaning his eye because he hasn't got an eyelash. So imagine we had to do that. Well, the lion, this kindness hasn't created you like this. And this is why in the famous report in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman ibn Asakr, our beloved messenger mentions that a servant's worship of 500 years is taken just for his blessing of sight. So what's the lesson? Namely, a single blessing is priceless. Because how can you then use that in disobedience? Now think about that. When we commit sin, we don't use one blessing. That would be bad enough. So imagine somebody goes, I've committed a sin, but I've only used a single blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So somebody goes, well, you can't thank Allah Ta'ala enough for that one blessing. So that's bad. So Allah's leaving aside this blessing, eye of sight. How many millions, nay billions of other blessings do we use in disobedience of the Almighty? Subhanallah, this should put into perspective our paltry deeds. And with Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our refuge. This is why we can't thank Him enough. Because we just think that, okay, this is a plus, I've done a good deed. Then what about the minus? <laughs> How many minuses have you done? And that's with using the blessings of Allah. So you can never thank Him enough. <laughs> it is for this reason that to look down upon any of the creations of Allah is a serious flaw in understanding. For instance, in Ruh al-Ma'ani 3-48, Somebody once said to Luqman, your face is ugly. <coughs> he replied, are you finding fault on this? Because of the figure or the one who fashioned it? So what he basically highlighted to that man was that he was saying, you, you're, not, you're not blessed. You haven't got beauty. In fact, he said, you're ugly. So he goes, so, he goes, there's only one or two possibilities. You're finding fault because of the figure, in other words, of me, or maybe the one who fashioned me. Maybe you're finding fault with him. So what he was highlighting was, this is ingratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another report, in Qurtubi in his tafsir, 7-41, Luqman alayhi salam once said to a man who was looking at him, although you see me with thick lips, Nevertheless, delicate speech emits from between them. Although you see me dark, nevertheless, my heart is white. <laughs> so look what he said to that man. So this is the beauty of the righteous. He wasn't, he wasn't having a go at him. He was still trying to you know, make the person see sense. So obviously, from that part of the world, they're given certain features. One of them, they've got thick lips. So he goes, you're probably looking at my thick lips. 
But then he goes, but what leaves those lips? He goes, nothing but delicate speech. He goes, maybe you're seeing my dark complexion. He goes, but my heart is white. How touching therefore were Luqman salam's words when he said in Al-Bidayah 4-387, I have consumed poison and bore it with patience. I have consumed poison but bore it with patience. Now what did he mean by that? Meaning Allah is sending people to test me but I'm showing patience. In continuation, our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala is truly the most forbearing. So Hafiz Abu Layth Samarqandi, Rahmatullah he relates in Tanbihul Ghafilin, page 81 to 2 of the English translation. One of the kings of Bani Israel, he employed a particular slave in his service after hearing much praise of him from others. So it's the time of the, the kings of the Bani Israel, and he's got a slave and this person has been praised because he's a good person, take him as a slave. Seeing the king in a good mood, the slave asked him, O king, what will your reaction be if you walked into your palace one day and you saw me engaged in joking and merrymaking with one of your wives? The king flew into a rage and he cursed the slave for his impudence. The slave thereupon bid the king to be calm. And he clarified that I was only testing you. So the king goes, how dare you test me? So the slave then said, I am the slave of such a master, subhanahu wa ta'ala, who never gets as angry as you, despite seeing his slave sin 70 times a day. He neither strikes me, nor does he deprive me of rizq. Why should I leave him for you? Subhanallah, I have just now experienced your reaction to an imaginary situation. What will your reaction be when one really disobeys you, O king? And the king was humbled. So this is why they told him, he goes, get this servant, his special servant. Now think about that. He did it to provoke the king, obviously. But did he do what he did? No. He just said, what if I did it? So it wasn't even a real thing. It was just a hypothetical scenario. The king lost it. And then he told him, he goes, look at my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He goes, I disobey him 70 times a day. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't strike me, doesn't stop my rizq. He goes, so why should I leave him for you? Then he said, I only tested you with an imaginary situation. Imagine if I really did it. So what was Hafiz Abu Layth Samarkandi highlighting? Allah Ta'ala is Al-Halim. He is the forbearing. Indeed, how often one is praised, yet real praise is due to no other than our loving Lord. Why? For He graciously conceals our sins, thus opening the door for the praise of others. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. All praises for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Lord of the worlds. Now think about that. That's why praise is not light. When somebody praises you, what did the Prophet famously say? Because you struck your companion, you're killing him. He goes, if anybody praises you, throw dust in his face. So famous reports. But why did the Prophet say that? You ask the person, what's wrong with that? Because you don't deserve praise. 
She goes, why don't I? What if I genuinely did something and the person praised me? What's wrong with that? The person's praised you because he's not seen any of your sins. So nobody would respond to that except because you're right. If he knew my sins, he wouldn't praise me. So therefore, you don't deserve the praise. Somebody else deserves it. Who deserves it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he's providing you. So this is why the Quran opens up with Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise is for Allah, Lord of the worlds. And there was a dua which the companions taught us. Uh, authentic hadith in Ibn Hibban. Sorry, the, uh, yeah, the Sahaba. He goes, one of the Tabi'in goes, I saw many of the companions. And whenever they were praised, they would say, Allahumma la tu'akhidni bima yaqoolun, wadhfilli ma la ya'lamun, wajalni khayrun mimma yazunnun. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do not hold me to account for what they say. Forgive me for what they do not know. And make me better than what they assume. Sahab, not bachari, right? Sahaba got praised. Imagine you go to Abu Bakr. Doesn't he deserve praise? Oh, the best of men after the prophets. You're not even praising him. You're quoting a hadith. What would he say to himself? Oh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do not hold me to account for what they say. Meaning, what they're doing. Forgive me for what they don't know. That's the, that's the point. They don't know me. You know me. Forgive me for what they don't know. And then they humbly ask, make me better than what they assume. Meaning, they praise me. But well, maybe even better than that. Isn't that an amazing du'a of the companions? Right? And also, some say it was the Prophet who taught this du'a. That allowed it. Whatever the case, is a t- teaching you that the praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not you. The only ones who could you could probably praise are the Prophets. Because they're sinless. Anybody else, you're going to fall into sin. Who's covered that sin? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So praise goes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hafiz Abu Layt Samarkandi also elucidated upon one of the unusual ways of the accursed shaitan in which he deals with the pious. He relates that the Tabi'een said, when a sinner repents from his sins and is remorseful, his ranks are elevated even more and he becomes deserving of paradise. Shaitan then grieves and says, if only I had not encouraged him to sin. This is in the Bihul Ghafilin, page 82 of the English translations. Look at Shaitan. You know, shows he's weak. <laughs> so he's provoking you. Do some, do some, commit sins. Allah, Allah is most merciful. Don't worry about it. Many people have been forgiven. Eventually you dive in. Then what happens? Grief overcomes you. And then even better, you do Tawbah. Because I'm never going to do it again. Shaitan looks at that and what does he say? Look at his weakness. If I had only not encouraged him to sin. So why did Hafiz Abu Lay Samarkandi mention this? Because he's weak. Because he thinks he knows but he doesn't know what he's doing. Where's the proof that he's weak? The Quran. Our beloved messenger said, The guile of women is stronger than the guile of Shaitan. Why? Because about the planning, the secret planning of shaitan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it is weak and he recited in Surah An-Nisa, Surah 4 verse 76. <laughs> Verily feeble indeed is the secret planning of shaitan. <laughs> but about the secret planning of women, it is said and he recited. Surah Yusuf, alayhi salatu wasalam, Surah 12, verse 28. 
Verily mighty is your secret planning. <laughs> so let's look at this. So this is direct tafsir of the Quran from the Prophet. So he gave the answer first. Because the secret planning, Qaid, the secret planning of women is stronger than shaitan. Look how interesting that is. If somebody goes shaitan on one side of the scale, women on the other side, who's got the stronger attack? <laughs> women. <laughs> The person goes, well, come on, brother, you know, astaghfirullah. Because Quran says it. <laughs> and not only does the Quran say it, the Prophet recited the verse to prove it. He goes, shaitan's secret planning is weak, da'if. So a person goes, give me an example of that. Quote the previous report. He provokes you to sin. You do toba. He goes, why did I make him sin? Right? There's the weakness. The women... Mighty, azim, immense is your secret planning. And this is in context with Zulaikha, when she tried to seduce Yusuf Look how quickly she got out of it. She tried to seduce him, he gets to the door, the Aziz is at the door, and she so quickly says, what would you do to a servant who tried to seduce your wife? And then Yusuf goes, she was trying to seduce me. And then what happened? His shirt was torn from the bike. And what did Aziz say? Inna kunna azim. Mighty is your snare. Secret planning. In other words, if I didn't look at the facts, I would have listened to you. So what does that tell you? And also, Qaid. It means secret planning. It's famously used in the famous surah, Alam Tala Qaifa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Have you not seen how your Lord dealt with the companions of the elephant? Did he not foil their secret plan? So what was the secret plan of Abraha? His open plan was, you've, des- you've desecrated my church, I'm going to destroy the Kaaba. His real intention was, he wanted the trade route. So Allah Ta'ala knew that. He goes, he foiled his secret plan. So planning, there's two types. One is open. One is a secret. Shaitan's secret plan is weak. The women's secret plan is strong. Allah is warning you about that. Now why is Allah given them that weapon? Because physically they're weak. So when Allah takes away a blessing from a creation, he accelerates something else in proportion to it. That makes up for their weakness. In fact, you would go as far as to say nations have fallen. <laughs> you know, think about that. Nations have fallen because of woman. One woman. So somebody goes, can there be anything worse than that? A whole nation fell. <laughs> so all I mentioned today was a few things with regards to the majesty of our exalted Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, a fathomless subject. But one that we need to keep referring to every now and again. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bi hamdi subhanaka Allahumma bi hamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka wa bi ladhin min shaitanir rajeem. Subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Assalamu alaykum wa salam. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wal asr insan lafi khusr. Alladhina amanu wa amilu s-salihat. Wa asbil haqq wa asbil sabr. Sadaqallahu alazim.